Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here for this week's Know Your Foe episode and our good friend uh, Mike Santagata uh, from the Bengal side is joining us to talk about them. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Ken. How are you doing? Uh, always uh, always great to have you on the show. We've Each of these teams a little bit of some challenges in week one. The Ravens with injuries, uh, the, uh, the Bengals with uh, some pass rush from the Browns, obviously. Um, where are you after week one and, and watching the Bengals play? You know, I mean, if it was a team that hadn't just gone to an AFC championship game in a Super Bowl, maybe I'd have a real level of concern. But I think there's a lot going into that. You got the Burrow calf injury that causes his own issue. And um, there's just some optimism still. It was a really wet, heavy, rainy type of game as well. And Burrow really struggled with the grip of the ball, not just his calf, but the upper, upper body as well. Uh, went to a glove at some point, just entirely inaccurate. I think when uh, I looked at his completion percentage over expected, it ended negative 18. Wow. And usually he's one of the people that leads the league in that regard. And that's what it looked like on the field. It's like he, anything beyond five yards was, it's not going to be an accurate ball. So when you're taking one of his strengths and turn into a weakness and, 
you're such a spread team, it's hard to change things up and get anything rolling. And like you said, uh, there's, I can't remember if it was Ozzie or Osho, but pass rush issues as well. The Browns pass rush was pretty awesome. Yeah, is, is this something we should be fearful as AFC North um, contenders that the Browns have assembled, you know, Zedaria Smith and Miles Garrett together on the same team? And they've certainly positioned their cap in a way. Honestly, I think it's to, to, to levelize for next year, but then they could get Aaron Donald at midseason if they need to. Yeah, I mean, well, if that happens, definitely a big concern. Um, I think this is – it's a really good rush. I don't think it's anything you've never seen before. But the way Jim Schwartz likes to play defense with that attacking mindset, letting his guys get off the ball and go, I think that really maximized it. And they were moving Miles Garrett around for matchups. This is a famous one so far on uh, social media of him doing the crossovers mm-hmm. before getting a real good pressure against the center. So I think the defensive corner is finally maximizing what is and has been one of the best pass rushers in the league and then you add on you don't really get any breaks because the next guy is a 10 sack pro bowler they've got dalvin tomlinson inside so it's a really good group um i probably like think in my mind like a top five unit but probably nothing like uh i'm trying to think of one of the oh even that super bowl that the Bengals played like von miller aaron donald on the same team Mm -hmm. that was a little bit more difficult to deal with now if they do get Aaron Donald I do think Miles Garrett Von Miller, or Miles Garrett Aaron Donald and uh, Zaria Smith might top that all right all right well let's talk a little bit about the Bengals now and uh you know obviously the biggest uh story for them is Burrow and his offseason and the big contract uh just before the season I guess right it was just before it was just after week one I don't remember actually at this point <laughs> it was during Thursday night football when the Chiefs got the ball they announced it oh, very good okay so what are your feelings about it in terms of moving on to a second contract QB era for the Bengals? Yeah, it's going to make roster construction more difficult. And you have to – you can't have picks early on, at least a lot of them, that are going to fail. I think that's what really struck that post-2015 Bengals team was you start getting the John Ross picks and mm-hmm. all of those types where – like you, that guy's not giving you anything and you picked in the top 10. Like you've got – you're paying guys now. And they're about to pay Jamar Chase pretty soon. And we'll see about T Higgins and they've paid both linebackers. So the cap is going to squeeze. They can no longer have, they weren't spending much on offense and now that's changing and they were spending a ton on defense. And now really to me, it feels like you have to be able to hit some picks on the defensive side of the ball so that you can get cheaper there. Um, Mm -hmm. Because they, they basically constructed that defense over the past well, about three years ago, two, three years ago, they constructed it through free agency. They brought in DJ Reader and Chidobe Wuzier and Hendrickson. Yep, right? yeah, Hendrickson. So mm-hmm. probably their three best players on the defensive side of the ball. And then even Von Bell and BJ Hill was an acquisition. So almost what, over half the starters were not home grip Mike Hilton. Oh, man. Just pick a guy and you've got probably a better 50% chance to see that guy was a free agency acquisition. Now, is it this year, this offseason they re-signed Logan Wilson? Yeah, they re-signed both, uh, Wilson and Pratt this offseason. Okay, so those are two guys. I, I really love Wilson in terms of what he's done against the Ravens, which means I hate him. Uh, you know, he's he's been a monstrous um, coverage uh, linebacker in terms of what he can give you there. Pratt, I guess more of a more of a run stuffer, but Wilson is really the guy I think who's special. Um, I, I wonder why um, you know it's not like the Ravens haven't done this essentially with a huge cap cost with Patrick Queen and a big salary now being paid to Roquan Smith. 
but how do you feel about paying two linebackers at the same time? You know, when you look at it as their linebacker room costs so much, I think they both came a little under what I was expecting because, well, actually a lot of the linebackers came in under ex- expectations with David Long and uh, Aziz Al-Shair, just a lot of guys around like where I think of where Pratt belongs. They all signed like that $4 million a year type of deal. And Wilson, I thought he could push for Tremaine Edmonds money. If he really tested the market, somebody might've given that to him, but he stays home for, I think it was less than half of that. So I think it's when you look at positional value and the way people treat linebackers, when it comes to that, maybe you don't think it's the optimal way to construct a defense, but you've got two homegrown talents. Uh, both have played fairly well. Uh, Wilson's case, probably a little better overall, um, but they earn their contracts and, if you look at just the linebacker room, I don't think it's an outrageous amount to pay for a starting linebacker duo. Okay. All right. Very good. Uh, the, the one thing I've always preached in the past is that I really uh, I like platooning at one of the linebacker spots, not only because you have to pay that three-down unicorn a lot of money, as is the case with Wilson, but because the three guys you can get, or it's sometimes two guys or three guys, you get to replace them. Maybe you have a, a good run defender, a good pass rusher, and then you have a um, a coverage guy that you trust. And it, usually a dime back is the way that that can be done most cheaply. You can get those three guys for a fraction of the cost of the one linebacker. And they also protect you from injury in a way because they're all specialists. And the specialists actually can be replaced pretty easily in season. But uh, but anyway, I've, I've you know the, the Ravens are probably going to move on from Patrick Queen. The contract talks have broken down there. Uh, despite the fact that he's played very well now for you know a season and a game, uh, you know, I, I'm not I'm not broken up, honestly, about that. And I kind of wondered how you felt about the about the fact that Bengals signed both of their guys. Yeah, it's just if you can get Queen for, I guess, like four million or under a year. I mean, you, I kind of look at that like it's almost a rookie deal. I, I think Queen is probably looking at 15 million per year. Oh, well, yeah. So that ain't happening. <laughs> so, <laughs> the, the franchise tag is out of the question for next year. And, and uh, you know, it, it'll be between 10 and 15 million uh, per year anyway. And Roquan is at 20. So, uh, you know, they're really paying it at inside linebacker. It's, it's a it's definitely very questionable what the Ravens have done to expend all that money at the position. Um. All right, long run cap situation for the Bengals. I think we we basically covered with the with the things and and uh, you should be very pragmatic about it. That it's going to be, you know, all contract expenditures going to have to be watched very closely. Yeah, pretty much. It's it's why I think there's been so much talk about you know can you pay two wide receivers and your quarterback type of situation because you're now all that that's a lot of money going into those places even if the cap's going to raise over time. I mean, they did play Orlando Brown this offseason a pretty significant amount of money mm-hmm. as well, right? Yeah, yeah, they did. And it wasn't the most for, I think, Jawan Taylor came in higher. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, significant amount of money. I mean, I think it was nearly $20 million a year. Okay. All right, so that's uh, obviously a big nut to be to be taken care of. So four-year, $64 million with the, with oh. the Bengals is what I'm seeing here. That's a lot. Um, uh Let's talk about Burrow a little bit in terms of you. You mentioned the grip and whatnot. Is have has there been anything else to see? He didn't play in the preseason, right? So yeah, yeah. The calf strain just shut down after two practices, basically for until last week. Okay. Were you at practice this year for the Bengals? No, I was not. Okay. All right. So uh, there really hasn't been anything to see. Any any off season training with the receivers or anything that you said? Wow, that's that's a good mature thing or any of that. 
I mean, here and there, nothing. I didn't see anything that was like they got they went away to somewhere and all like did all their off season training together. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he's practiced a little bit. It's just not a ton, and I haven't seen anything off camera or maybe just like during the not the uh, off season as in like training camp, but the off season as in the time between the Super Bowl and training camp. I didn't see anything there either. All right. Um, maybe talk a little bit about the offensive line then. I guess we'll see what we're going to see with Burrow, but uh, uh, go left or right there. Okay. Orlando Brown, very familiar. <laughs> Hopefully my my report of him in my mind passes what the Ravens think because I think he's largely a similar, a similar player. Mm-hmm. But large, that's sometimes hard for people to get around and especially get through. He does a pretty solid job of protecting inside. It's the outside stuff that can get him. And him overthinking his own strength a little bit, which he's a very strong player. But man, when it's Miles Garrett on the other side, you know that two-hand push, that two-hand punch there, that's not moving Garrett as much as it does a lot of players. And he's able to bend and work through that. So I think it's protecting the outside that's been his issue mostly. He's a good run def- uh, run blocker, and he he's one of the guys that can actually move people, not just get into like a positional advantage, but actually displace the defensive linemen and especially linebackers if he can get on them but not that athletic he does a pretty good job of timing the snap count though to try to mitigate that i mean when it gets into space not so much but in terms of just like reaching a guy on a zone concept he kind of times it up so he can get off and get in front of that cordell volson fourth round rookie left guard up and down and he looked I think a little bit more, maybe like a third round rookie, but it's still, you know, that's not great. He's probably the weak link among the offensive line. He just technical issues, keeps his hands wide. He lets guys get into him, especially in pass protection. He got annihilated on a play from, I think it was Dalvin Tomlinson running him over. And overall, you want to see more in year two. He's a little bit of an older rookie, but he came from the FCS. So never know. Ted Karras, he's a better pass protector than a run blocker. I'm not sure how much that's useful for a center, but he's. I think his best attribute is his processing and intelligence on stunts, twists, anything else. If he's coming to that side, he knows where to go and pick it up and late blitzers. Uh, he's not overly athletic. This is kind of a common theme with the Bengals offensive line because Alex Kappa, right guard, not overly athletic. Probably the best pass blocker of the group, though. I think he's stout. I think he's strong. Um and he can sometimes move guys, but uh, he's a little bit. I think I think he's more technically sound and solid in pass protection than he is in the run game. And then Jonah Williams, you've seen him a lot. Uh, he's the one guy that's a little bit more athletic than the others, but he's a little bit lighter and he has issues with his anchor and pass protection. Guys get into him, push him back, and sometimes with that inside move too, because he kind of really sits down on that anchor, like. He doesn't have a great one, so he has to really get into it. And if you can get him with like a fake move and then go inside or outside off of that, that's when he runs into some issues. So Jonah Williams moved from left tackle to right tackle this year, right? He spent most of his time yeah. left tackle previously. Okay. And Brown, one of the things we really liked about him here was at right tackle, and a lot of teams put put a – particularly if you have a 4-3 defense, you often have a really good pass rusher on the – offensive right side facing that right tackle 
because you're not as dependent on the Sam concepts, and usually that's the weaker tackle to go against. So you have some options at, at uh, to do that. But one thing we 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 knew from Brown was that yeah, he was a little bit slower getting his feet to the outside, certainly, and probably wasn't quite up to the. To, it was a limitation. Let's just put it that way. But he had a great ability to push a guy past the pocket, twelve to yeah. six. And uh, I, I, you, is that what you're talking about? But would you talk about the two-handed push or two-handed punch that that really wasn't working against Garrett very effectively? Yeah, and usually it does with him, right? Because mm-hmm. it's, he's usually able to push that guy and move him around what, 10, 12 yards behind the pocket. Yeah. He did it with Miles Garrett, but Miles Garrett's kind of an alien. So mm-hmm. you push him and he just runs right through it somehow. He's a very special athlete, that's for sure, and uh, and probably a future Hall of Famer, but uh, but it is what it is. Let's move on and talk about the wide receivers a little bit, and obviously this is the scariest group to the Ravens, I think, from, from past encounters. Um, uh, talk through uh, who they've got active now and, uh, and uh, what the bench even looks like. Yeah, uh, well, starting guys, Jamar Chase, awesome in pretty much every facet of the game he's not overly long if you're gonna talk about his limitations and he's not that tall but he plays big so mm-hmm. it doesn't really show up too much does an insane job with tracking the ball and using late hands and just being able if a corner is out of phase and running with him eyes on him it's really difficult to tell like when he's going to when the ball's coming because you usually read the hands and the body of the receiver for that and he's just so late with it um he also works body control really well to the back shoulder. I think we see this a lot where he catches, he running a go route, Burrow throws it to the backside and he just quickly turns around, catches it, gets both feet down and goes out of bounds. So those things are there. I also think he's kind of built a little bit like a running back, kind of that stout big leg type of build where he runs through a lot of tackles. And sometimes that catches people by surprise, not thinking he's uh, yards after catch creator, although Cat might be out of the bag at this point. He's been mm-hmm. in the league a few years. Yeah. T. Higgins on the other side, the other outside receiver, big, tall, long. He's kind of your prototypical X receiver build, where if you're going to build a guy in a lab, it's built like him. Uh, and I think he has more wiggle than he gets credit for outside of what Bengals media fans, analysts give, where he's not just some contested catch guy, where he can actually create some separation. He has to... You have to give time for that. He's not super athletic, although he's faster than what he run like a four six something at the at his pro day. He had a hamstring injury there. I think he just tried to work through something. He can get he can stack corners and get over the top a little bit. And I think he's a very good number two. And I think that's actually what's coming down to the contract thing is even if they give him the same money, it's like they might be go number one somewhere because he probably could. Oh right, no, that makes sense. Uh, and I did notice Higgins had seven targets in the first game without a catch, and one of those was a drop. How was his day? What was the what was the issue with? Is it mostly on Burrow on the Browns' pass rush, or on Higgins himself? I think you could put it at a lot of those things. Um, there were a lot of go balls or slot fades and deep down the field targets, and Burrow's accuracy on those was pretty poor. So. I think that was the main issue was Burrow. You get into some of the Browns' pass rush, they did cause some pressures. He had what should have been a wide-open touchdown, and if Burrow could just put it in a zip code, it's a touchdown, mm-hmm. but overthrew it. It was like a 30-yard gain, and that's when you kind of know the, the game's not going your way. He also had a slot fade against Grant Delpit where he gets over the top and even with him at about the 20, and Burrow threw it to like the 10 with air under it, so he had to try to play through Delpit to get there, and credit to Delpit play great job to break that pass up because usually T can still just catch that ball over the guy 
But if that gets thrown over him, maybe you're looking at another deep ball that's completed. But he could have played better, too. I think when it came to when he faced against corners, those Browns corners, they are physical, handsy, and mean. And Emerson, he's long in particular. Mm -hmm. He's big and long. So that sometimes gives him a little bit of an issue, just a big, long guy that can kind of match his, you know, strength. And when the quarterback's not able to throw it accurately, he's not getting uh, any help in that regard. So that's kind of what I saw. I didn't think he played some abysmal game where you're worried about, like, is the contract getting to him or something? I think it was a lot of factors leading into it and mostly on the quarterback. He's a fourth year player right now coming into any, a second round draft pick original. No, he's first round draft pick. The, second, the 33rd pick. 33rd pick. Okay. All right. I remember, I remember at the time and maybe the Ravens are drafting right around 30 later in any way in that draft, uh, thinking that, that he'd be a great pickup for the Ravens, but, uh, but it wasn't to be, that's, uh, uh, that's interesting. So anyway, this is year four of a, of four, with him mm -hmm. for the Bengals unless they can unless he get a contract done. Yeah, pretty much. I would expect a tag if they can't get something done this year, okay. but then it turns into what happens. Can the Bengals are the Bengals in a position to afford the tag? So a lot of teams, you know, some teams can save up and they can do it and other teams they just can't they can't like when the Ravens signed Joe Flacco in two, after the 2012 season, they couldn't afford to tag him. They had to sign him or, or let him go. They still can afford the tag, and some of that's good news, some of it bad news. I mean, they just freed up $7 million with Lyle Collins. They just released him yesterday mm -hmm. from the PUP list. And, well, kind of sadly for them, DJ Reader and Chidobe Uzier come off of the books after this year. Maybe they're interested in bringing those guys back, but when you start getting around that age 30, that's when they're a lot less interested in these guys. Okay, I, and that, that certainly makes a lot of sense. Talk about Lyle Collins for a second because – He's somebody with the injury to Ronnie Stanley that's been mentioned in Ravens circles as a guy who might provide some additional tackle depth. I think the injuries have taken a real toll on him, and it was kind of sad to see last year. He had a back surgery, and we didn't hear much about it. He basically didn't practice the entire offseason, does that joint practice with the Rams, and then the entire year, I've never seen an offensive tackle fall down as often as him. And it just oh. felt like it felt like he couldn't sustain things, just whether that's a back. I heard he has a hip issue and an ankle injury, and now he's got the knee. It's just it feels like he's really beat up as a player. Can still move players, though. When he's running vertical and trying to displace guys, just like I talked about with Orlando Brown, he can move defensive linemen over a gap when he's working straight ahead. But when he's working backwards in pass protection, he can give you two – two and a half seconds, but that's all you're getting because mm -hmm. he's, he might seize up, fall down. And sometimes he was even diving out to guys because he couldn't reach them. It was a very interesting watch for when he was playing. All right. I think, I think probably want to scratch him off the list. Uh, uh, did we get to the full set of wide receivers? Cause I think we got the, for the first two for sure, but uh, Tyler Boyd, he's man been there forever, but uh, this is his last year of his deal. I don't know. If that's common knowledge, but he's, they're probably moving on from him as well, just once you get around that age. Great slot receiver. I think he's smart. I think he's very, very dependable with his hands. Not super athletic, although he does have a big play here and there. Um, but I think the main thing he can win with is when he's working inside, he does a really good job of reading coverage, reading leverage, and then just being very dependable with when you throw him the ball, you're not going to get a drop. And he's fairly solid at contested catch situations. Really, he just doesn't play on the outside because he doesn't have 
the athleticism. Mm-hmm. It's certainly been a, a, a completely deserved and worthwhile contract. The last one with Boyd and uh, he's been one of the great bargains at wide receiver among the, you know, I'll say the medium high guys, not, not quite, you know, obviously not a number one receiver. I hate that term, by the way, number one receiver, just hate it, yeah. but he's been a, been a terrific player for the last uh, several years for Cincinnati. Um, other wide receivers you want to talk about? Yeah, there's, I mean, Trent Irwin might see the field because for the first time that I can remember, they actually used quite a bit of 10 personnel. So hmm. we might get some Trent Irwin on the field. They took Irv Smith off for Trent Irwin during that Browns game. He's, I was surprised because he kind of does a little bit of that body control stuff I talked about with Chase where he caught a few back shoulders, just a better player than I was expecting when Chase went down last year. They went to Michael Thomas, not that what Michael Thomas, the Saints receiver, but a different Michael Thomas, and he really struggled in Chase's place during the Browns game. They flipped it for Irwin, and Irwin had a pretty nice stretch during that time, and they've kind of depended on him a little bit. I don't think he's anything – crazy but i think he's solid i think thomas is one that had a really big game against the ravens didn't he and and, and broke out earlier in his career i may have a, i may have this wrong i am I mean, not 100 sure on that okay I'd, I'd have to look back but there's there's been a couple of bengals receivers over the years who had had a big breakout game against the ravens i guess it's not unusual with it be, them being a division rival but the other thing you mentioned i thought was really was really uh salient here is that uh, 10 personnel could give the Ravens a lot of trouble. And I, I've been concerned about that anytime the Ravens have been low on corners. And that's certainly the case right now is that they don't have a lot of corner depth. Um, and they can, they, they played a couple snaps with three corners and three safeties in this last game with 32 dime, but they, they didn't play any four corner dime. Um, and they'd be really challenged to do so if they had to. Uh, so that's, that's an interesting idea is whether or not the, the Bengals may have some 10 personnel in their uh, bag of tricks. Yeah, they didn't get to it before, but I think they finally have a fourth guy that they really trust to be able to run that. All right, well, let's move on talk to about the running backs. And uh, do they use a fullback at all these days? No. I mean, once in a blue moon, you'll get Drew Sample lined up back there, but mm-hmm. it's not common. All right. And Mixon, uh, well, most of the snaps? Yeah. Mixon, most of the snaps. They platooned a tiny bit. Uh Chris Evans taking a little bit of early stuff. I think they're trying to limit Mixon as he's getting older. Just don't want him getting 80% of the work. But Mixon's going to be the main guy you see. He's, I think he's got good pre-line of scrimmage ability. His burst through the hole, his vision for it. And he looked powerful, healthy. It was surprising. He looked better in that game than almost any game last year. But I can't say any game because he had five touchdowns against the Panthers and for some reason just dominated them. But he dealt with so many injuries. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply last year from week one on uh so if he's gonna be healthy he's i think he's a good back uh talking about chris evans he was more of a receiving back but he's not trusting pass protection because he's small he can finally he had so many issues before of anytime he got a called run concept he was bouncing it and he was gonna go try to make a play in space but he finally is sticking to the hole and working through the offensive line through the middle. So they have felt confident enough that they made Chase Brown, their draft pick, be an active player, and they use Chris Evans and Travion Williams instead. I think he's he could be lightning in a bottle, but we've never seen it. He's very athletic, but he just it hasn't translated to the regular season yet. And then Travion Williams, they pretty much use as a pass protecting back. He's the I don't know, he's probably about the same size as Mixon. Mixon's a big back, but he's got a good feel and processing for the pass rush and being able to be the pass protecting back. All right. All right. Very good. Now, we haven't talked about the tight ends yet and maybe talk about them and a little bit of their, uh, you know, what they like to do personnel wise in terms of 11 versus 12 or even some 13 looks. Yeah, you've got Irv Smith just came over from Minnesota. That's their tight end of the year. Let's they keep doing. I think. Irv's interesting as a tight end because he's only six foot two. So he's about the same height as Tyler Boyd and he's not very big either. So, but he's a pretty good mover and we'll see. He didn't block particularly well in week one, but that's almost a little bit expected when you're small and not 
long like that. Um, there's been some hype about him possibly, you know, being the best, you know, receiving tight end Burrow has worked with, but I'd, he's been so injured and we'll see what he looks like as the season goes. He wasn't particularly impressive in week one, but I do think he can move pretty well. Uh, other tight ends, you got Drew Sample. He's a blocking tight end for the most part. If he gets the ball, him and Wilcox, both Mitchell Wilcox, the third tight end, both blocking tight ends. And they just, even though Drew Sample tested, I think in like the 95th percentile at the combine, that did not translate to the field. He just, he just looks a little clumsy out there. And Mitch Wilcox, a little similar. There, his one big catch came last year against the Dolphins, and when he caught it, there's nobody around him, and you see him just like looking left, right, behind him. Like, I, am I really in open space and just trying to gun it because he's not used to that? Uh, they personnel-wise, they're mainly an 11 team. They have been mainly an 11 personnel team as long as Zach Taylor has been there. They dabble in some 12 personnel. Last year, they they got into some 12 personnel with the six offensive linemen to basically make a mm-hmm. big 13 set. This year, I did, hadn't seen – I've seen the 12 and I've seen the 11, but like I said, that 10 personnel started coming out, and I was like, they didn't run that before. So that's – you're – I think I think I'm figuring out what I'm seeing here now because I'm noticing they had 55 total tight end snaps in 56 snaps. So right there, that tells me they're they're not playing a lot of 12. But if they played some 10, that's how you could play some 12 is because you could you could have an extra mm-hmm. tight end from those plays. Okay, and it wasn't that, a lot of 12. I just saw it. it. They fell behind, so they're not trying. That's usually when they're in four minute offense, grinding out the clock situations. Okay, so it's a, but it's a, but it is a they had a balanced amount of 12 and 10 from what I'm hearing. They probably mm-hmm. didn't do 13 during the game. That, that, no, I don't uh, believe they okay. did. All right, all right. I've always thought of them as being a very committed 11 team. But uh, wait, why uh, was Hayden Hurst? Hayden Hurst played for last year with the Bengals, right? Yeah. Just contract was out up and let him go, or what what was the I think they offered him something, but the Panthers offered him a lot more money. And okay. that's basically what it came to. Him and Von Bell. I think they wanted to keep both, especially Bell, but the Panthers came and they wanted some a piece of the Bengals because they've been a good team. People are gonna want pieces, even if you know, I think Hayers was solid in his role last year, but uh Got it. Got it. He had a good week one. Uh, I saw he had like mm-hmm. 60 yards and a touchdown. So good for him. All right. Uh, any other uh, common plays or formations or concepts you want to talk about that the, the Bengals uh, like to run? Uh, maybe it's from last year at this point, or maybe it's from what you saw in week one. When they get single high, they love throwing go balls on the sideline because you have T Higgins and Jamar chase. And they ran that a ton against because Jim Schwartz, Credit to him was not afraid. He didn't wasn't trying to sit back and you know some deep Tampa two or two man or anything like that. He played single high man coverage and trusted his corners and his pass rush to win and it worked. Uh, but if they get single high, they'll try to throw those down the field. It seemed to me they're a spread team. They don't like keeping those wide receivers close splits. As once in a while they do each game, but they don't really ask those wide receivers to block linebackers, dig out safeties all that often. Um, so when it comes to what they do against, you know, two high looks, which I'm expecting more of against the Ravens than I did with the Browns, um, they work a little bit of that intermediate middle of the field. They'll try to get some rub concepts, just a whole bunch of grab bag stuff there. And just that spread kind of work underneath, underneath, because, you know, 
two high safeties, you're taking a guy from underneath, putting him deep. So now there's a yep. little bit more of a hole in that zone or even for the man covers, there's not a middle of the field defender. So that's what I would expect them to run more than the single high addition of their offense, but they kind of change it up based on what the opponent is doing. Last couple of meetings with the Ravens, we've noticed um, Burrow going to the outside with just a ton of wide receiver screens and short throws. And I think you just explained a lot of that with regard to, you know, what they're seeing in terms of uh, too high or single. Uh, is that your opinion of what, what, what happened in week 18 and that playoff game? Yeah. I, I even remember it in the, uh, first matchup too i remember quite a few early on and they kind of went at marcus peters thinking like ah peters isn't a good tackler and he showed up for that game <laughs> i was like man i kind of agree with that thought process but peters was he got up and ready for that one um yeah they they when they see the too high and especially if they see pressure they throw screens they try to get that ball out quick kind of protect the offensive line a little bit especially with those later two matchups because they're already missing two and then Jonah Williams went down during the third matchup. So they're trying to protect those guys a little bit with quick passes. But it is also, let's get the ball to Jamar Chase in space and try to see if he can work something. They like that flat screen sometimes. They ran it once against Cleveland with the tight end just going straight out, throwing the ball, both wide receivers trying to just take the corner, block them, and pick up some cheap yards that way. There was actually a really interesting thing that happened with Josh Bynes played for both. This mm -hmm. is an anecdote from like two years ago, but he, so he knew Burroughs audible to the flat screen. It was kind of a discount double check thing Rogers does because mm -hmm. the Packers do it a lot and Burrow does that. And then you see Bynes communicate like, Hey, it's coming. And then they ran a fake flat screen. I was just like the chess match <laughs> there for a touchdown. That was, that was really cool. But uh, they do run quite a few screens, especially when defenses are playing deep and giving access to those. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, you know, in some ways, I think I'd be really happy not to see the Ravens corners tested deep in this game. Um, Stevens had a pretty good tackling game, played pretty well downhill, stood at Darby, particularly against the run. Uh, and those are the guys going to be on the outside for the Ravens. So it's not an imposing group by any by any stretch. Uh, but I think you might be doing those guys a little bit of a favor to throw short if the Ravens show too high in, that, in those uh, situations. Yeah, um, although... I mean, the Bengals, they they have to test them eventually. I feel like you have that matchup just, even if it is too high, let's try to work something that can occupy that safety to just get that one-on-one. -on -one. Right. All right. Uh, let's flip over the defense here. Uh, talk a little bit about the most common pass defense looks, uh, uh, it, what they do maybe typically. Ravens don't really play a lot of 21, um, much, not much anyway. They played some 12 in this first game. Um, they did have Ricard on the field a fair amount, but most of that was as an inline guy, uh, or a lot of it was. How do they? How do they most commonly um, line up uh, in, in terms of uh, nickel versus uh, versus eleven? Obviously, but but how otherwise do they line up versus twelve? Say, yeah, against the Ravens, it's it's interesting. They'll play the same nickel versus everybody as four down two linebackers. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they change it up and throw in actually they last year they took Pratt off the field once in a while for Akeem Davis Gaither just because he's very very athletic but they didn't do that so much last week um when it comes to 11 they promised that four down two and then Dax Hill has made an interesting piece though because he was such a good slot defender at Michigan and they um it was just one play against Cleveland but they went dime 
and they put Dax Hill in the slot and they moved Mike Hilton actually back to one of the safety positions. And he ended up playing underneath zone while everybody else played man. But that was really interesting. The Browns also played some sets like Oh one personnel and mm-hmm. the Bengals responded with dime looks. So I haven't seen too much dime from them, but this past week I saw more than I'm used to. And some of that is also, uh, I think Jitabe Wuzier coming off of that knee injury, um, that they didn't get the three safety sets, which is what their normal dime package would be. They just mm-hmm. maybe think of that as like big nickel, but or oh no, that's that's, dime. that's regular dime. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> big dime, maybe some people yeah. think of just because safety instead of corner, but you know, mm-hmm. DB. Um, they got to those last year with three safeties, but this year it feels like they're bringing DJ Turner on for their dime looks rather than bringing in a third safety, but. Against nickel or against eleven personnel, they go nickel almost all the time. Even against base, against normal teams, they go nickel a lot. But against the Ravens, they've almost always responded as their base being a four-down three linebacker, which isn't their normal base. Normally, they play a like a bare front three-four. But something about mobile quarterbacks, they did it against Atlanta with Mariota as well. They like to have more guys flowing at the second level than they want guys up front and trying to control those gaps. And so that would be that would be Davis Gaither as the third linebacker again with yep. Pratt and and Wilson. Yeah. Yep. Typically. All right. And and uh, yeah, interesting the 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 way to respond that O one look. I really associate that with something Pittsburgh would play in the waning Roethlisberger uh, years, particularly against the Ravens. They were really trying to take the running back entirely off the field and just go you know all, all wide with one tight end usually. Uh, the Browns were trying to make Elijah Moore seem like a running back, but I don't think the Bengals really responded as if he was one. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, it'd be hard to, hard to fool people with that. But anyway, uh, let's talk about the defensive line. And, and I want to get into some of the rotation and snap management that the Bengals do there. Yeah, last year, not much rotation. They kind of just let Hendrickson and Hubbard go until they couldn't go anymore. And mm-hmm. there's actually DJ Reader talked about this. He's like, we need to give them breathers because they're not making it the whole year (laughs) they keep getting injured and you know it's just not sustainable to try to play that many snaps so they're trying to do a little bit more of a rotation this year um when it comes to the edge guys you know i think hendrickson very talented pass rusher but he does have his issues in run defense and it showed up in the cleveland game where just backside contained trying to hold that backside c gap and he overruns it or he's at a bad angle and gets cut underneath and Mm -hmm needs to do a more solid job there, although he kind of is what he is at this point. But pass rush is worth it because he's been very productive there. Hubbard, almost the opposite. Great run defender, but the right tackle went down and he did not take it to Dewan Jones. He didn't really get very many pressures, if any, against him. Um, Then when you get into the rotation, they like Cam Sample a lot. And he has, in the preseason, he was better than he was last year. And I thought he was fine last year. And then regular season, he got a pressure on Jedrick Wills, and it was a real pressure, not just like some unblocked type of or missed assignment thing. He actually Mm -hmm. beat him physically. So maybe he has taken his game to a better level. Just Fosai currently injured. He's usually in that rotation as well. I'm not sure if he'll play, but I think it's a high ankle sprain preseason week three. So I, in my mind, it's a little doubtful he plays. They have first-round pick Miles Murphy, That'll play some snaps on the edge as well. He more so played at the end of the game last week when it was a little bit out of reach, but they did send him in there once in a while while the game was tight. 
and he's just raw. You know, he's big bag of tools, that size with that get off. It's hard to find those guys. And kind of like Rashawn Gary was what, like a two sack guy type of guy for two, maybe three years before finally breaking out and becoming an awesome thing. That's what they're hoping with Miles Murphy. Now, Miles Murphy's still only 21, uh, if I recall correctly. So he's got some growing into his body to do. He doesn't but, even uh, turn 22 until I think January or February of next yeah, year. Wow. That's, that's a, uh, that's a nice place to be. You don't want to, I mean, I don't, I, I don't want to ever have the Ravens have another like just barely 21 year old inside linebacker again that they, they draft. Cause I don't think it plays well there, but uh, in terms of your edge rushers, I don't mind having that development year. Cause you usually have a development year, no matter what, to learn how to beat tackles in the NFL. So you may as well be growing into your body at the same time. And uh, that's a, that's uh, he's, he's certainly a talent. That's for sure. He was there. Did they draft you in the first round? Yeah, it was uh, was the twenty eighth pick. Twenty eighth pick. All right. Um, all right. Uh, talk a little bit about the pass rush and and uh, what they use in terms of scheme. Um, you, you did talk about the edge guys a little bit there, uh, but in terms of what they use in terms of scheme, a lot of stunts, uh, off ball blitzes, simulated pressure. What do they use? Not a ton of simulated pressure against the Ravens. Up and they're not afraid to blitz. They haven't been really even though Luana Romo isn't a big blitz guy he at times especially third down situations he'll get into them when he's feeling like a team doesn't have a great response to it um and I don't know if that's true about the Ravens now but it kind of was with Roman where mm-hmm. it felt like they didn't really have the hot answers for those blitzes so we'll see if he tries any of those in this game I think that's an interesting schematical type of look normally he gets a rush with four and he really asks those guys to kind of mush rush, hold the lane and just run through the guy rather than try to get around and bend and win the edge that way. Um, And he's got guys that like doing it. DJ reader and BJ Hill and Trey Hendrickson, even though I I think some people treat him a little bit finesse, he mostly likes to try to drive his uh, helmet through the offensive tackles chest (laughs) and Sam Hubbard, you know, he's stout too kind of does that so that's really their scheme is to try to squeeze the pocket from four lanes and keep those quarterbacks inside of there rather than letting them get outside and create one thing we've noticed i think in Bengals games before is how quickly the ravens have got after and this is true of the browns too but I, I think of it in terms of the Bengals, how quickly the um you could call them a spy but but the zone defender who's who's on the correct side um will go after Jackson as he's even like, just start to think about leaving that pocket. And, yeah. and uh, that's been very effective uh, against the Ravens in terms of, uh, of doing that. And in this, in the, this past game, the other thing that really beat the Ravens was a lot of cover zero looks. And it wasn't a ton, but the, they rushed the, they rushed with six or seven, I believe it was five times. Um, and it resulted in some bad things happening. <laughs> Let's put it that way. A couple sacks and, and not much in terms of yards one interception, I believe on those, uh, is there, you know, is that something you see at all often from the, from the Bengals in terms of, of seeing an odd man blitz from level two, um, kind of frequency of maybe five plus man rushes. Um, so I think in a lot of situations that happens maybe three times a game, Mm -hmm. but I do think at the Ravens, 
I just don't think Luda Rumo has treated it the same way. And some of that is also the mobile quarterback and getting more guys after him where I think some people are scared to do that because then you have nobody behind. But you know, if you think, if you trust your guys to be able to actually contain him and get him, then it works a little bit better. I think it'll depend on the situations, you know, football is very situational, but third and long situations, if there's a few of those, I don't think he's going to be scared about sending six plus, especially if, the Ravens had issues with it last week. So I don't know, I'd maybe expect five, six of them this week, mm. but that's a, maybe a little bit on the higher end. Well, it's just so interesting with Todd Monken being a completely different offense. So if they start getting gashed on those, does it change? But I think it'll be part of the game plan, even if normally Luana Moa isn't the biggest blitz proponent. Okay. Uh, let's go through and talk about that secondary because I don't think we've hit on them at all yet, but uh, talk through who they had. Shirobe Awuzie coming off of the knee injury. He was a, a real bargain his first year and halfway through the second year. I think they signed him – well, it, it's hard to remember because he didn't play for them, but Trey Waynes was signed for more money as if he was going to be the best corner on the team. And then Awuzie stepped in. He started getting camp reports about Awuzie is playing really well against Jamar Chase, and people took that as, oh, Jamar Chase might not be what we think he is. But I think it was actually, you know, Awuzie kind of iron sharp and iron there. He's he's actually a pretty solid player when he gets good safety help behind him, which I'm not sure he got in Dallas too often. Hmm. Uh, he's very athletic. I think when it comes to guys he has issues with, it feels more like those A.J. Browns that can work over the middle and are big, physical, and strong. When it comes to guys that are really good movers, he kind of keeps up with them. We'll see if that stays with the knee injury, but he's not the biggest guy, but he's very athletic, or at least was. I still think he looked athletic in the Browns game, but it's small sample size, and they didn't put him on Marquise Goodwin very often, which would be the Browns' 4-2 guy. They put him on Cooper once in a while and Elijah Moore more often. Then on the other side, you kind of Cam Taylor Britt, big physical corner to kind of match with that. Do, do the Bengals chase in terms of receivers, meaning they, they, they don't have a dedicated left corner, right corner, or do they, do they, how do they set up? More so than not, Shidobe Uzi is on the defensive right and Cam Taylor Britt would be on the defensive left. Okay. They don't chase very often or shadow, but, if it's a really good player, sometimes they will, or if there's an injury type of situation. Uh, Zay Flowers was the Ravens, you know, breakout star in week one. He had, they obviously, they targeted him 10 times. There was a lot of stuff behind the line of scrimmage, a lot of gadget plays. Um, how do you expect them to react to Flowers specifically in this game? I would think that that would be your matchup for Abouzier, where good mover versus good mover. But we'll see if they treat it as if Zay Flowers, who, who I think probably easily the best, you know, not just speed, but movement type of guy in the wide receiver group. Yeah, he's, he's the he's the best of the group. Bateman's coming back from an injury. He's the more natural X. And then they have Beckham, who's uh, everybody thinks is good. And, and we'll see. Um, and uh, he's, he didn't have a bad week one. He drew two DPIs and had a couple catches. So that's good. Um, but but uh, Bateman came back, made a made a one real nice saving throw and uh, uh, saving catch, I should say, to to uh, uh, you know bail Lamar out of a potential interception early on. And but Flowers is all over the field. He, he caused four missed tackles in this game, which was up towards the league lead in that category in Week One. Yeah, uh, I would think 
I don't know if they're going to really follow him or do anything there. Um, it'll probably more depend on their alignment. And Mike Hilton, always the nickel corner. They don't move mm-hmm. him outside. So if they want to get that matchup, they probably can work it. That's kind of what the Chiefs did last AFC Championship game was they wanted Marquez Valdez-Scantling because he's big and fast on Mike Hilton, who's a little bit shorter and slower. So they kept working him from the slot and working him down the field. So there are ways to get after some of these corners if you think you have a mismatch like that. All right. All right. Outstanding. How about one player you think matches up well against the Ravens? And what maybe one on each side of the ball? Okay. Uh, well, I'm going to go Trey Hendrickson, partially because I heard the Ronnie Stanley news. Yeah, and, yeah. Sadly. <laughs> but he's also played them pretty well. Very well. Yeah. Against Villanueva, yes. against Stanley, against whoever's out there. He seems to have a good game against the Ravens. I guess I could have said Hubbard, too, but... Uh, just because he's been there longer. He's had some good games, and then obviously in the playoffs, he had that very long run. Um, but I'll go with Trey Hendricks on the defensive side. On the offensive side, it feels like the easy answer is Jamar Chase. They're probably going to try to feed him, and the Ravens have a cornerback issue right now with injuries. So I think those are the two players on the Bengals side of the ball that match up pretty well. Okay. It'll be interesting. I think the Ravens may may play more cover two, which should give an opportunity to to play Chase over the top and uh and hopefully uh contain him. I, I mean he's he's I would expect him to get a lot of targets in this game, but I guess we'll see. But uh all right. Well uh uh tell folks Mike, this is always a pleasure to have you on, first of all. Uh, incredibly knowledgeable uh Bengals uh blogger and uh analyst and really appreciate Appreciate it. Do you take any offense to the term blogger? I've never really liked it personally. I like analyst better, but uh, but I know blogger is is what we get called a lot. I like analyst more, but yeah, I, me too. I'm not gonna. It's it's not too bad. Okay. All right. Very good. So, where can folks find your work or talk to you online? You can find me at uh, Sports Illustrated's All Bengals for all my writing and my podcast. It's always game day in Cincinnati. If you want to listen to what we think about the Bengals and maybe what we think about the Ravens going forward. All right. How many shows per week for, for that three post game show and then kind of a longer reaction uh, that comes out Wednesday and then the Friday preview. All right. Very good. Uh, other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. Uh, I've always got room for those. Even during the season, hit me up with a DM on Twitter. I'll get back to you very quickly. I promise. And love meeting new people that way. So don't be shy about it. Mike, Thanks again for coming on. Always appreciate your Bengals analysis. Thanks for having me. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.